You're listening to the Money Pig Podcast brought to you by Goodwin Investment Advisory, where our mission is to lead people to financial peace, independence, and generosity. I'm your host, Reed Trigo, and today we're joined on the show by an advisor here at Goodwin Investment Advisor, Ray Brown, for a discussion about paying off student loans, or maybe it's about student loans. Ray wants you to pay him off. Let's hear what he has to say. Ray, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, welcome back. Thanks for having us, sir. <laughs> yeah, man, it's always good to have you here. Uh, usually for the fun conversations. Yes, we keep it fun. No, none of this stuff about being a widow or being <laughs> deceased. Yeah, or any, you know, how planning. To, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sad things. I feel bad, but that's all right. Um, but yours today isn't that much fun. But it is a really, really popular question. It's frequently Googled. We thought we should answer here. Answer it here. Because also, as a firm, we just put out recently a blog about this. You can actually get that if you text blog to 66866. You can do that uh, from your phone. What text message charges a f- apply or whatever <laughs> your local provider. Anyway. Um, all right. So student loans, Ray, I want to talk to you about this because actually you have a, a successful story dealing with student loans. I was very fortunate Came out of college, but it was a long time ago. Debt-free, student debt-free. You, however, got to, um, you know, work and pay it off. Yeah, I fall into that kind of, quote, normal bracket of, you know, hey, college is getting expensive these days. It's it's out of control. And so um, I graduated college back in 2012. So it's been a minute now. It's been over 10 years. But gosh, Mm -hmm. it still feels like just yesterday. At heart, I still feel like I'm 17 years old, still in that race of, you know, just kind of keeping, you know, getting getting stuff done, tending to business, graduating, entering the world and um, navigating career. So, um, sure, we know it. We know it all too well. Yeah. You just made me think I you 10 years ago. That's a long time, but mine was 31 hey, years ago. Time flies. It, it moves does. quick. It moves it, quicker and quicker. Oh and um, yeah, here we are. So. Awesome. Okay. Well, tremendous. So just give me your um, kind of give me walk me through a little bit of of your story, where you went to school, how this how Yeah, this so I went I went to a private, you know, for those of you who have not yet met, you know that, um, or you're learning for the first time now, that my traditional schooling is not in finance at all. So, you know, right out of high school, I was very involved, very interested in the film industry. And so I pursued a career in the film and entertainment business, went to a small trade school that just, you know, it's a bachelor's degree in film production, gets you in and out in about two years. So it's about double the pace of traditional college. I think it also kind of came with double the price tag. <laughs> <laughs> small private specialized Which, schools can. Oh right? yeah. yeah that, that's kind of the, the perk is they were get you in and out quick. So you can enter the workforce and um, we're going to work you like the industry is about to do to you. And so let's get it done. And um, so, yeah, I pursued uh, that. It was an amazing, met some great people. I learned a lot, had a very great 10 year career. So I, it, I put it to the test, put it to work. Um, you know, the degree paid for itself in time. I loved what I was doing um, for, you know, eight and a half out of those 10 years. And towards the end there, I was like, okay, it's time for something different. And that's a story for later. Or, um, you know, I feel like I've shared it a lot here mm-hmm. about just career transition and how that can come to be. But um, either way, you go to school, you get student loans, you've got to pay them off. And so that was kind of my trajectory as I did graduate um, back in 2012, I did have a massive student loan um, and just kind of kicked, kicked butt to gear. Like, let's get going on this thing. I want to pay this off. And that's really when my interest in personal finance kind of started. It was mm. that classic, like, oh, crap, there's a problem. This is not, this is going to take 25 years, 30 years to pay off. This is going to be, this ain't going away quick. And it's that classic moment of just kind of, oh my gosh, I'm now an adult. 
what am I going to do? Oh, this is, I've gotten myself into some trouble. And when you're a child and you just kind of sign on the line, the whole industry shoves these student loans at you and you don't understand really like, gosh, what is that? Is 8% interest rate? Is that good? Is that bad? Like who cares? Sign it. Cool. You don't have to, no payments until six months after you graduate. You'll be working by then and it will mean nothing. And so, um, yeah, they pull you in, they pull you in good. And so they got me, they got my friends. It's interesting to me that you though came out of school and somehow, um, I remember you, you're telling the story, like you got the letter in the mail and they're like, congratulations on, on yeah. graduating. And now your first payments due. I contribute. I attribute that to my, a little bit of like my, my why story in terms of like why I'm an advisor now. And I do distinctly remember that night where I was driving across the country, pulling the U-Haul trailer with my little Jeep. The cardboard boxes are all wet. It's disgusting. I'm stopped for gas and I look down at my email and I get the email from the student loan company. The congratulations. And there was the little gif of the confetti popping off the top. Like you've done it. But then right below that, you see what the balance is and you see when payments begin and you see about what that monthly payment's going to be. And you say, I'm unemployed. You know, I don't yet have that first job. And so what and how am I going to swing if I even make this much at this new job? what, how am I going to live? You know, where's the, where's the rest of the money coming from? So. Yeah. You had a little bit of a mutant gene there though, because a lot of new graduates just say, well, yeah, that's the deal. I'll just make the minimum payment forever. Sure. But you like took the bull by the horns. This was a weird thing. You I'm did. a little bit of a psychopath. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. A little bit. Yeah, yes, yeah. you are. I'm a, I'm a little crazy person. And I'm um, <laughs> sure I was very hyper-focused on the number. And that's when I kind of said, okay, I've got to seek out what do you do? Like, what do you do? It's so overwhelming. And so do you just, you know, yeah. Can you, do you, do you kick back and do what the normal person does and just say, Hey, I'm going to pay this off for 25, 30 years. Or do you just hustle, 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 work, have no fun and eat beans and rice and pay this thing off in five years. You just, you name your own timeline. What do you do? Like, both of those are very extreme. And so do you meet in the middle? And then it's like, how much are you paying an in interest over this time? And gosh, there's so many ways you can take it. So many things battling at your brain um, to to figure it out. Yep. Yep. And so the view on student loans kind of is that, well, you get out of school, everybody has them. I mean, college is expensive now. So everybody has them. Um, you can't go to college without them. It's, it's just a, a very, very normal thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it is true. What is your, what's your take on that? I can't recall the exact statistic. I mean, it is almost eight and t- eight out of 10 graduates that, you know, if, you know, sure. Some, even if you come into the picture with a little bit of cash savings, you know, say you've worked in high school or you've gotten a few scholarships, eight out of 10 kids are graduating with some amount of student debt, you know, whether they borrow just a little bit or they had to borrow the whole thing. Um, student debt is part of the picture for most, for most graduates as for un- unfortunate as that is. Um, so yeah, it's very true. So what do you do if you graduated from high school, you want to go to extend your education somewhere but you don't have the money saved up yeah. or, or can't afford that. What well, do you, what do you do? And it's a great thing. I mean, the fact that we have colleges, we have this education, you, we live in America, you can, you know, you've got this whole American dream. You can be anything you want to be. The skills, the, you know, the knowledge is out there if you pursue it. And um, if you have that desire and goal to learn something new, like you can easily do it. Um, when it comes to the logistics of making it happen, I mean, we're at the, at the end of the day, it's, I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I had to do it myself, but it's what has forced me to adapt this mindset and these policies and these principles, if you will. And it's just that we are debt adverse. You know, we don't want to borrow money. So if you're not going to borrow student loans, then um, what do you do? It's you kind of kick it into gear when you're in high school or right before college and you say, 
I've got a new job. It's a 60 hour per week job. And that full-time job is to focus on scholarships, grants, anything I can do to save up, to get, you know, someone else. There's so many businesses, competitions. I mean, these days you can do these YouTube, TikTok competitions and challenges. There's ways to make 1500 bucks, three grand here and there to just put towards the college experience and uh, to make that happen. But it's not easy. And so I know we live in a culture where it's like, eh, do I really want to do, do I want to bend over backwards and do all these things to jump through these hoops to get a little bit of my school paid for? I could easily just sign on the line, you know, and to take out that loan. And so it's which one's going to feel more good in the moment versus which one's the more the smarter choice to make in the long run. Yeah. And I always think like there's so many students now in high school and they, they don't dual enroll, right. Doing enroll at the local, yeah. local technical college, or even at a local four-year university. And they're getting those classes basically free. Yes. Um, and, and even if they haven't done that, those first couple of years at the technical school to get the basics out of the way, Absolutely. at least here in Georgia, those trans, I think those credits transfer really easily. To you do community college. You do. I mean, it's, there's nothing's off the table. You do whatever it takes to avoid any student loan debt. I mean, and I think again, it has to be part though of your principle. If you're still floating through life of like, Oh, well, you know, you listen to what society says around, you know, oh, student loans, that's a good debt because I'm going to, you know, that's going to help me enhance my career. Or, you know, you fall victim to the, well, everyone's got it. It's, it's normal to have it. I'm going to go get it. Then you have kind of ate away at your own internal principles. And so yeah. if you've got a real, you've really got to have this in your walk that I'm not borrowing money because, you know, we always focus on the why it's. Because when I graduate, I know that I'm going to be in an entry-level position. I want my income to support me starting a new family, doing X, Y, Z, buying a house. There's going to be so many other things that are thrown at you that you're going to want to pursue that's going to catch your eye. Having that student loan debt really is just going to get right in the way. I mean, Great. you've got to see that future. You've got to have that maturity to see see it that way. Okay. So, so those are the extreme measures we would take to avoid it. But in the case someone decides that we got to take on some student debt and, and this happens, we see this with professionals, lawyers and doctors, they end up doing this um, and ended up with a ton of student debt, oh, yeah. right? Um, I've heard a guideline on student debt that you shouldn't ever take out more than what you expect your first year salary to be. Mm, I've not heard that one. That's interesting. It's yeah. pretty interesting yeah. though, because there's some degrees that you can come out of school, not exp knowing that you're not going to make a ton of money. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there are other degrees you're going to come out of school in mechanical engineering or something like that. You know that you're going right. to have a solid um, income and be able to pay that back in a really sure. reasonable amount of time. You also got to know yourself at the end of the day. I went to school with a ton of kids that just, you know, they kind of painted this picture of, you know, it's, oh my gosh, this is the dream. You're going to see your name in the credits of movies. You're going to make it. And it's like, you can look around and you can identify that eh, these kids, this is like a summer camp. What what are they thinking? Oh my gosh, this person's never going to, you know, not to judge anyone else's picture to say like, you know, certainly you're not better than anyone else, but you've got to know yourself. How hard do I get out there and hustle? How well am I going to be able to sell myself in the field? How confident am I in my abilities to promote myself and to get hired at the right place and to get that right salary and are you just going to sit back and wait on a career development department to throw something in your lap? And then you're going to be picky and choosy what opportunities it's like, if you've got that mindset, then you're going to have a lot harder time at this. If you're a hustler or a go-getter, it's like, all right, you've got the skill set. You know that you're going to be able to make money and that you're going to be able to pay this thing off quick. We just got to be careful with that because then it's just like anything else when it comes to borrowing money. You're borrowing money for a car, you know? Yep. Do, you, do you spring for the one that's 
15,000 more than what you initially thought you would spend. It's like, makes no difference. You just sign on the line, you know, so it's, like, it's <laughs> a lot easier it. to spend more Yeah, monthly payments. We always yeah. talk about, okay. So let's talk about, we do have, let's say there is student debt. Where do we put that when we want to pay it off? Right. We, we talk about the good life pyramid here. It's sure. a, sort of a Maslow's hierarchy of needs for finances. And one of the baseline needs is getting rid of debt. Yeah. So where do we put that? Is it, is it more like we, we think of home ec, home mortgage debt as right. kind of a good debt. We think of credit cards as a very bad debt. Right. Cars, it's a use asset, but really not great debt. Yeah. So where do we put student loans in there? I say we put it right there in the middle. Do we really? just amongst all the other stuff, all the okay. other junk. I mean, at the end of the day, sure, we get it. Life throws things at you. You may be in a position now where it's like, okay, I've gotten myself into a situation. I now know better. But what do I do now? I'm in it. You know, should, coulda, shoulda, woulda. I wish I had, yeah, if only I had rolled up my sleeves in high school, I could have probably gotten some more money towards this, but here I am. So what do I do? And I say that, that we just approach it like we would anything else. It's truly a debt snowball situation. Debt snowball, yeah. We're going to roll up the sleeves. We're going to hustle and we're going to knock this thing out. Explain yeah. how that debt snowball works. Yeah. So the debt snowball is where you're listing all of your debts in order from smallest to the largest, just in terms of balance. So if you have a thousand dollars on a credit card, that goes at the top of the list. Next is your car loan, might be a little bigger. Next is your student loan, might be a little bit bigger for balance. And then you've got the $500,000 mortgage on the house. That's at the very bottom of the list because it's the biggest debt. What about my boat debt? Is yeah, that the, boat, the boat's going to go in between the house and the car. <laughs> okay, I mean, gosh, good. some of these. Um, and so you're just structuring them in order from smallest debt to largest debt. You're going to make minimum payments on everything except for the smallest debt. That one there, you want to throw everything you've got at it. We are trying to knock this thing out quick. And it's the smallest debt, so you can knock it out quicker than you would the other ones. The idea is that you're going to feel a sense of victory. You're going to get that emotional, you know, that 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 pleasure sensations activated in the brain that's like, wow, I, I can do this. I've crossed off, you know, one of three things on the list. Then you roll on to the next one. That's why it's the snowball. It gets bigger as we roll. So you come up with this magic number of how much can I afford to pay every single month towards my debts. Maybe it's a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred, two grand, three grand, whatever it is for you. That's money that's in your budget that you can afford to allocate towards the debt. And it means being a little bit uncomfortable. Obviously, if you're planning trips and vacations and eating out and doing all these things, well, of course there's no money left to put towards your debt. But if you start with this purpose of, okay. I've gotten myself into a situation. I want to enjoy my life and we so want you to enjoy your life. We get it. It's hard to delay pleasure. So let's get through this as quick as possible. Let's not make this thing take 20 years. Let's get this done in two years, three years, max. Let's go let's get some light at the end of the tunnel. Let's put things in, this, in an order and an operation and have a plan that makes sense so that we can hit it with everything we've got so we can blast through this thing, get on the other side of it. That's amazing because there is so much less stress about not having any debt, like yeah. I, no obligations right? from month to month. It you, you start to think my cost of living is really low. Yes. That's, that's where you get. And then you're like, what's the pressure? Where's the, where's the pressure? When you don't have all of your money going out the door to payments, it just truly gives you such freedom and flexibility to do whatever the heck you want. You know, if you just, if you contemplate a career change, like I did, it's something that you say, okay, you're taking a step back. You're taking a jump into a whole different industry. Like, there's financial consequences to that. And it's like having the freedom to be able to do it. If you're buried in payments and you've got every dollar you're making, it's going out the door. Like you're slave to your job. Mm -hmm. you, know? you are. What do you, what do you think about some of these um, 
payment plan offers that come in, you know, income-based repayment. Sure. So, I mean, uh, if, if anyone's, you know, recently been, you know, student loans have been suspended through COVID times, uh, interest kind of began recurring on, on student loans last September. They did announce a couple new payment options, the flex payments, the, um, you know, the income-based payments. I say, I don't, I don't care about any of it. I'm not a big fan. And here's why. They would love it if you stretch this thing out for 30 years and could only pay 10% of your income. I think we like to reframe it in a sense that is, what's the quickest I can get rid of this thing? You want these people in your court that's going to motivate you to come up with and scrape up every extra dollar you've got to throw at this thing so you can get out faster. We're not trying to extend this at all. We don't care about your payment plans. We're going to tell you how much we're going to pay, and it's going to be probably four times as much as you want from us. We're going to get this done. We got to move on and you got to get going. Come on. It's like, pick it up. You know, what is so interesting about that is, and we know this because we see it. And, and in many cases we do this, we, we're, we drink our own cooking or whatever oh, yeah. they say. Right. Or we drink our own, we drink cooking. our own, uh, yeah, we, eat our own <laughs> we brew our own food. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what yeah. we do, <laughs> but, but, um, so much of this, it feels mathematical. We can ah. stretch that payment out for 30 years and it'll be this much and yada, yada. Right. But we know the reason you're pushing the, <coughs> the accelerate this accelerate is because we know it's behavioral. Ah, this is yeah. about creating behaviors. If we can be intense about this behavior early on yeah. and get rid of this, it changes the way we, our relationship to, and the way we think about money going forward. I love it. It's yeah. it's not our forever story. This yeah. is a tiny little chapter in a book and we've got to flip, we got to get through it. We always talk about the why, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to understand like, why does any of this matter? Why do your investment returns matter? Why does it matter if you even go to college to begin with? It's so that your future is brighter than the present. You know, we want to get to the other side and sure, you're always on this journey of life. It's this always that, you know, classic contentment and, you know, mm. what's in the future and what's ahead and you're always climbing. It's why do we try to get promotions within jobs? It's so that you can make more money, do more X, Y, Z. We got to get on the other side of it. You cannot sit back and say, you can't be a victim to a student loan payment for this long. I mean, the payments are so expensive. They're so high. It's going to steal your income forever if you let it. And so you've got to crank up the heat, knock it out yeah. as quick as possible. Yeah. So, okay, great. And then <clears throat> as far as paying off debt and saving for retirement, let's say it is going to take a couple of years, three years, four years. Do we want to delay investing and saving in a 401k mm. while we're paying this off? I know some personalities would say yes. What's your take? Sure. It's such a great question and I totally get it. I know it is so, so tough to be focused on debt elimination while also thinking about your future. You know, the whole fact that you're kicking into gear and working so hard to eliminate debt is because you want to be on the other side and you're dying to get to the other side. You're envisioning a future where you're not going to have this debt any longer. So in that same sense of you visualizing your future there, you're thinking, okay, well, my 401k is really going to suffer. You know, I'm, I'm delaying contributions to retirement so that I can really hit this thing hard. And we know that you're going to get on the other side of it and that you're going to pick up the heat and you're going to, you know, compile, 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 contribute, 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 get right back up. You're going to get all that momentum back once you're on the other side of it. It is hard in the moment though to say, I'm giving this debt everything I've got because it feels like you're leaving opportunity on the table. And so we do get that. I think the one asterisk, if I could just make one, you know, one change to my internal principles around like, you know, hey, we pause all investing until debt is completely eliminated. I would say it's around the 401k space and an employer match. So if your employer is giving you a match on your 401k, say that, you know, 
you contribute 4%, they match you 2%. I'm okay with someone taking, you know, you're letting off the gas a little bit. Sure. It's going to mean that you get out of debt a little bit later than you would had, had you just said nothing to the 401k. But I also get that it hurts to leave free money on the table. And if your employer is willing to give you a match on your 401k contribution, I would say it's okay to go ahead and take that. It feels um, like it's part of your compensation to me. I mean, <clears throat> because you you consider, let's say, an employer who has a, you contribute 3%, they contribute 3%. That is a 100% sure. return on your initial investment right yeah. off the gates, right out of the gate. So. Um, yeah, it feels like a part of the compensation. And yeah, and I would agree with you on that. We don't want to leave that on the table. No. So like, let's grab that. But then you also just got to, you know, then what's next, you know, oh, well, a friend of mine suggested I, you know, get into this company with him. I got to save up 10 grand. No, 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 no. Like let's keep, got to keep our eye on our prize, get through one thing, clean it up, get going. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Come get on. familiar yeah. with our good life pyramid. Get some cheerleaders in your That's court. Right. Yeah. Climb your way up the pyramid and focus right. on the why it's so that, you know, we're focused on the future. We're focused on a better, better, better tomorrow. So that's great. That's good. All right. Well, good. And, and folks, um, can reach out to us here, you know, and, and they can text, text blog to six, six, eight, six, six, get on our, our blog list. But also we do, uh, we advise clients about this. We also have a few limited hours of just hourly financial coaching for people who w- want help getting their budget straightened out so that they can start to get these priorities knocked out and, and move on to the next goals in life and prepare for whatever it is, children and buying houses and upgrading life or, or moving on to retirement down the road. So, Hey, as financial advisors, we manage and balance portfolios, but the unique value is that we work to understand our clients individual goals. So we can have these types of planning conversations that are so personal and unique to each individual. Thanks for being here with us, Ray. And we will catch you all next time. Thanks. The Money Pick Podcast is hosted by Reed Trigo, a financial advisor at Goodwin Investment Advisory. This podcast is intended to share information and perspectives, but should not be interpreted as legal, financial, or tax advice. The opinions shared by participants are not necessarily endorsed by the company. Goodwin Investment Advisory is regulated by the SEC, and the company operates in compliance with applicable securities, laws, and regulations. 